The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Anyway, until last week, that through Pastor Scott's James series and Pastor Eric's great sermon, we have learned deeply about what life should be as a disciple of Christ. The truth is that the world should be able to see the image of Christ projected through our lives. And Jesus' command to love our neighbors must be practiced through us. But today, I just want to going, I just want to going to focus on ourselves, myself, yourself, a little bit more. Above all, I'd like to confirm our relationship with Christ through King David's confession. In particular, through the Psalm 23 we read today, I want you to examine and confirm your present relationship with our great God. Psalm 23 is probably one of the most famous of the 150 Psalms, isn't it right? And also, I believe most of you are probably memorizing Psalm 23, I guess. <laughs> Two? Yeah. <laughs> With Psalm 23, countless songs were written, pictures were painted, and sermons about the image of shepherd were preached. But I think it is difficult for most of us who live in an urban environment today to imagine that the Lord cares for us as a shepherd takes care of his sheep. No, it could be right that it's almost impossible, and this to me. So what is good metaphor we can understand? Considering rewriting the Psalms, especially Psalm 23, to reflect modern city life, thinking of a good alternative to the image of a shepherd. This is not a literature class right now, so... I'll leave this to you as a homework. I know you guys like the homework, so do it. So I hope you give it a try. And if you finish it, please send it to me. I love to read yours. So I'll expecting Ines 5 this week. So please send it to me. 
So rather than using the concept of a shepherd, I would like to find a clue about our relationship with our God through the tone of King David's confession projected in Psalm 23. The tone of David I'm talking about now refers to the way he expressed his feelings and the facts from his own experience contained in the very short six verses. I think we can divide Psalm 23 into two parts. One is from verse 1 to 3, and the other is from verse 4 to 6. If we read these two parts a little bit more carefully, we will discover the difference between them. So let me read these two parts one more time. So think about what is the differences between first and second part. So here is the first part. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in, the green, in green pastures. He leads me beside white waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And this is the second part. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Still beautiful. So did you find any differences between these two parts? In the first part, verse 1 to 3, David calls God He. David describes God's very special character by addressing God in the third person point of view. The character of God that David expresses was experienced by the David himself, and he describes it in a general, objective way to the reader. David was explaining God's character by using the concept of a shepherd that everyone at the time could easily understand. But in the second part of the poem, we find that David is calling God you instead of he. In this second part, David is referring to God and the second person point of view. This is a more personal and subjective point of view. David's calling God you indicates that he has entered into a very personal relationship with God. So what made David make such a difference? What made David's general and objective account of his relationship with God in verse 1 to 3 turn into a very personal confession in verse 4 to 6. Why does David switch from he to you precisely at verse 4? Why didn't he just go on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I believe 
the tone of the statement changed when David referred to the valley in verse 4. I believe the transition to the more intimate calling you took place when he entered the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm sure that such a transition is a universal experience that all of God's people in some form go through. The crisis of life draws us close to God, right? We are more prone to talk about God when we are in the green pasture and more prone to cry out to God when we enter some fearful valley. Famous pastor John Piper, he said in his article, he said this, he said, it is the valleys of life that draw us close to God. It is the life and death crisis that turn theological statements like, God gives grace to the lowly into, oh my God, help me for I am cast down. Do you agree with this? Yes. As we know, the King David was a man of many success and glory. At the same time, King David was a man who had passed through many valleys of death. When he confessed about the goodness of God, which walked through his life, he was able to speak plainly, objectively, and calmly, considering the moment of glory. However, when he thinks of the valleys of death he had passed through, of course, it was a path that was passed by God's grace, but he had no choice but to confess a very personal and intimate God. I believe that we have all faced times of difficulty in our lives, right? As I look back on my life, when I prepared this sermon, I was reminded of several valleys of darkness I had passed through. Especially, I remember the valleys I had passed since I left Korea and came to Canada. And I felt like I could feel the weight and pain of passing through the valley again. So I had to stop preparing for sermon for a while. If given the opportunity later, I promise to share with you the story of the valley I have been through. Anyway, I think that King David assumes that all of us will at some point or another walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So our approach should not be one of the figuring out how to avoid it but understanding what we need to do to remain faithful along the way. Dark nights of the soul are painful. I knew it. There's no getting around that. And God does not expect us to enjoy our suffering. But he does have expectations for our focus in the midst of it. In verse 4, David proclaims that he will fear no evil. 
while facing the valley of the shadow of death. More than likely, you did not, I did not respond to your own, my own suffering with the perfection of Christ. We have all fallen short in this area and desperately need help because fearing no evil requires more than simply our own human strength. Dark night of the soul drive us to whatever we think will save us. And when the Lord is our shepherd, he will always remain with us, providing every step of the way. But Dave takes the truth of God's presence a step further. Not only is the Lord with us in our suffering, but he also comforts us. If you're not in the valley of the darkness today, you will find yourself there at some point. Sorry about that, but that's true. I don't know how many will come, but will come. But when the Lord is with you, he will fight for you. When the Lord is with you, he will comfort you. When the Lord is with you, he will lead you by his wisdom. There is no enemy too strong for him, no terrain too difficult for him to navigate. The promise of our faith is not that we will be spared from suffering, but that God will be by our side. So the valley of the darkness before us can be an opportunity to invite our relationship with God into a more personal and intimate relationship. If we don't just focus on how to escape the valley, but hope for God himself. One of the famous pastors in this area, in this era, Matt Chandler, and in his series, he said, our hope in times of darkness is the presence of God, not the resolution of all circumstances. And then one of the famous, I think, greatest theologian, Thomas Akampis, he said this in his book, The Limit, Limit, Imitation of Christ. Actually, this is his prayer. So he prayed like this. If you wish me to be in the darkness, I shall bless you. And if you wish me to be in light, again I shall bless you. If you stoop down to comfort me, I shall bless you. And if you wish me to be afflicted, I shall bless you forever. For whatever you shall do with me can only be good. I hope it can be your prayer and my prayer because I found there is no any condition to pray God, even good season, bad season, even we are in a suffering time, even we are in a very present time. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5, Apostle Paul said, we can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance 
And endurance develops strengths of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. If you've been through the valley of darkness, through an intimate relationship with God, I am sure you will understand what David means by the table he is talking about in verse five. When I passed the valley of darkness and God's intimate relationship in eight years ago, the table God gave me was the Bonus Baptist Church. I can confidently say that. If you are going through a valley of darkness right now, rather than looking for a way to avoid it, please seek God's intimate approach. You will surely pass through that valley with God and also will get the table which God has prepared for you. So my last question is, are you looking for the table? But as we know, you have to pass the valley of shadow of death. I would like to conclude today's sermon by rereading Psalm 23, written in slightly different words. So I'm going to put the one video. If you want, you can read together, or you can just watch it and then rethink about it what God is telling you this morning. Amen.